This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Yo, what's up, guys? You like our podcast? You want to make your own? You have all the power, all the resources you need to make your own podcast. That's right. If you haven't heard about Anchor by Spotify, let me give you a rundown. Basically, it's the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need all in one place. And here's how it works. Anchor lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or your computer. So no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then you can distribute your podcast to the most popular listening platforms, including Spotify with a single tap. Anchor is also the only place you can publish video podcasts to Spotify, which is super important. With Anchor, creators can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. That's right. And best of all, Anchor is totally free. So download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That is anchor.fm to get started. It's what we use. We get a little kickback from it, and we appreciate it. So if you guys want your own podcast, go to Anchor. .fm to get started. Peace. Hello and welcome to Anatomy of Marriage Radio. I'm your host, Melanie Studley. What's up, my friends? My name is Seth Studley. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist, and we interviewed Ken Coleman. And I was just laughing now because I was going to Im- impersonate him, say, okay, here's what we know. <laughs> I love Ken Coleman. <laughs> <laughs> and he's uh, super fun. We had a good time hanging out with him virtually, and then we got to hang out with him in IRO. Yeah, last October. Uh, and we smoked cigars and uh, ate some food together. It was it was totally rad. So you guys are gonna love this. If you're in a job that you don't like, if you think if you have been thinking about, I got to get out of here. I got to change my jobs. What am I passionate about? Then this will help you mm-hmm. move forward towards what you're searching for, to, yeah. towards what you long for. Ken Coleman is all about like finding the job that you love and having mm-hmm. your dream job and making money at it and all of that stuff. He is an awesome dude, and we know that you are going to love this episode. So Absolutely, enjoy. Hello, and welcome to the Anatomy of Marriage podcast. I'm your host, Melanie Studley. And my name is Seth Studley. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist. And today, we have the amazing Ken Coleman. And we are so excited to have Ken on the show today. But we don't want to talk about you. We want you to talk about you. So will you give our listeners a little bit of the insight on what's to know about Ken? Yeah, well, I am a husband. I feel like I got to say that first. This is a marriage program. Uh, Stacey and I will reach 21 years of matrimony, and that happens uh, in May. And we have three kids that are awesome, and I get to be a part of the Ramsey Solutions world. Specifically, I host a show that helps people with their careers, specifically helping them discover what they were created to do, and then come up with a path to make that dream job an actual reality. It's a live show every day on Sirius XM, and I lead into the Dave Ramsey Show as a part of the Ramsey Network. We also podcast that show every day as well. And uh, we are just having the time of our lives uh, helping people get that clarity and that confidence so they can be who they're supposed to be. That is awesome. I was so excited when I first found out about your show. We listened to Dave Ramsey for a long time. Then we just had Rachel Cruz on the show uh, a couple of weeks ago. And then I started listening to your stuff and I was like, I can't believe it. This is coming at the perfect time in, in my life. I'm 
I'm 40. I've been doing my career as a therapist for about 12 years. We've been married for almost 15, and we have three kids, so I'm just kind of eating up all the stuff that you do. So thank you so much for your work. It's well, rad. Man, I'm excited about what you are doing. Your work is so important. Um, because we know of the tremendous impact that a healthy marriage has, not just on the kids, uh, but on the people that come in contact with that healthy marriage. So appreciate what you do as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's a total trickle-down effect. If mom and dad are okay, then you know there's research that indicates the kids are okay, everything else runs smooth. Not that it's perfect, but it's, oh, no. it's a better chance. You know, <laughs> I don't think the word marriage and perfection should ever be in a sentence. I don't know that it should ever – they shouldn't even be – not even in the same sense, but not even the same page. Yeah, you're uh, unless you're unless you're saying there's no perfection in marriage. Yeah. I guess. <laughs> yeah. There you go. That's the only way it works. Perfection yeah. is impossible in marriage. There or it works. There, you go. there, there. You summed there. it up. So we want to jump just right in. So how, in in your opinion, how could a spouse support, or how can a spouse support one another if one is kind of going through the, the the yearning to make a big career change. They've been in the same career for, I don't know, 20 years. What's the best way for a spouse to support that other person? Because I know there's a lot of fear around that anxiety. Well, uh, that's a really insightful question. I think listening is step one. So lots of listening. When a spouse is making a career change, there is so many emotions that are bouncing around in their head and seeping down into their heart. And what they want more than anything is to know that their spouse is hearing their heart. So it starts there. I think just lots of listening. When they talk about the frustrations, when they dream a little bit, when they talk about their fears, don't try to fix it right out of the gate. Now, you're the therapist, so actually you you can add to my answer and make it much more fundamentally sound. But practically speaking, you want to listen because they just need to know that you're not freaking out because they're kind of looking at you too, right? Whatever fear or doubt they're experiencing in the switch, they're looking to see if you also feel that fear and doubt. And I'm going to say this on behalf of a man, because that's all the only perspective I can truly understand. When I made this switch, I was making sure that Stacy wasn't scared, that she trusted me. I was worried about that. And so listening is huge. Stacy was an amazing listener. So uh, I think listening for just lots of listening. Then I think the second thing is, is to is to encourage, not just be a rubber stamp, not a yes woman or a yes man, but encourage when they share those vulnerabilities. Instead of trying to give them this false sense of security or this false sense of confidence, if they're talking about fear, go, well, why are you afraid of that? And let them talk it out and kind of play that mini counselor because they just need to know that the person that's closest to them, the person that they love the most, the person that up to this point, hopefully in a healthy marriage, believes in them more than anybody else, that that person is saying, hey, okay, I get that fear, but you've done this. Stacy was amazing at when I would talk about fear and doubt. She was amazing at pointing out an equal truth. You know what I mean? So I would have this fear and it was high up here, but she, would, she wouldn't try to combat the fear. She would just go, well, I understand you feel that way, but this is true. You've done this and this is happening. And she gave me great perspective. So listening, encouragement, and that's the last one. And, and in encouragement, make sure that you're giving them the right perspective because as a spouse, I wouldn't say that you're completely objective, but you're certainly way more objective than they are. And I think many times we just need our spouse when we're in a sea, season of uncertainty, we're facing fear and doubt, that they give us a perspective that we can't see. And Stacey's always been that for me and I for her. But certainly for the spouse that's switching, making a career move, you need 
proper perspective. And I think if you can do those three things, you're off to a really good start and they're going to feel supported. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like everything you just said. And it makes me think about in a healthy marriage, like you said, most of the time, your spouse is your number one best friend. It's the person you spend most of your time with. And it's the person that's most invested Again, in a healthy marriage, that's the person that is most invested in your well-being because if I'm okay or if Melanie is okay, then that's going to be a symbiotic relationship. That means we're both okay. Mm-hmm. And all that, I, I also thought of, okay, if I'm going to do a big career change and I have fear and anxiety and I'm talking to Melanie, I have to have really open ears to listen to what she has to say and what wisdom is on her heart and mm-hmm. she wants to impart mm-hmm. to me because I can't ask that question and go, well, no, don't worry about it. I want to do this, so we're going to go. And thats I've done things like that before, small things, and that's gotten me in trouble. Yeah. It's, well, it just hasn't been the wisest. Yeah. Well, and decision. I would say, too, as the from the partner's perspective, the one who's doing the listening, I would say, and I just heard uh, Craig Rochelle talk about this idea of say the thing. Sometimes we don't say the positive thing that's inside of us. We just think it, and yeah. we don't actually communicate that to our partner. So I think that that's another a really big key thing, like communicate that positivity and that joy for your partner because you're their sounding board and you would want your partner to do that for you. So I don't know, that just sort of popped into my head, but yeah. you have a list of questions. Let's not dilly dally. Yeah, I do. I want to, <laughs> I want to jump right into it because I want to be respectful of your time. I know that you have a book coming up called the proximity principle. Can you speak to a couple of points on that? I know it comes out May 13th. I'm excited to get it and I hope our listeners will, will be too. And just by the title, I, I really love the idea because whenever I've been in an environment where there's other like-minded people, I get creative, my juices start flowing, and then we just start making stuff, which is great. So can you speak to some of the tenets of your new book coming out? Yeah, we'll start with the definition. The definition is really simple, homespun, and I wrote it this way on purpose. In order to do what you want to do, you've got to be around people that are doing it and in places where it is happening. It's simple, yet it is really powerful. Here's what proximity does. Proximity positions us around the right people, right? When we get in intentional proximity of the right people and in the right places, we're now in the position to learn, do, and connect. Those are the three powerful things that proximity allows us to do, to learn what we need to learn, to get to do what we want to do, and keep connecting in that field. Those three things, learn, do, connect, that's how we move up the ladder. I don't Mm -hmm. care what field you're in. If you just want to grow, you got to be learning, doing, connecting. And if you do those things intentionally every day, you're going to win. Nobody's going to hold you down. And so proximity positions us. All right. Now proximity propels us. And so this little principle that honestly just kind of came to me one day in the car, it's nothing new. Successful men and women for centuries have figured this out. You know, if I get around people that are doing what I want to do, opportunity is going to happen. And so that's the formula. People plus places equals opportunity. And and so what we do in the book is we unveil five archetypes of people that whether you're a starter in your career or you're a switcher, uh, you feel stuck, scared, all those things. We, we blow the fear away because we say, these are the five people that if you're intentional to get around, then they're going to help you get in the right places. And then these are the places that if I get into these places, uh, I'm going to meet more of the right people. And so what happens is successful people, it is a habitual activity of constantly looking 
and getting around the right people and in the right places. And so all of a sudden, the career path and the, and the climb is not as intimidating because you go, well, that makes a lot of sense. So if I talk to people who have had no breaks, no opportunities, I know that they're not in the right places and they're certainly not around the right people. So that's the concept that we unpack. And uh, it, it really is a powerful but simple principle to enact. It's interesting as you were talking about that, I know that your book is not about marriage, but the parallels that I keep drawing as you're talking about it and as I've heard you on your show, it's like all of the principles that you talk about and that even uh, people talk about in the business sphere apply to everything that's personal. So if, Mm -hmm. and I think of, if we have relationships and friendships where the wife is tearing down the husband or the husband doesn't care about his wife or they, you know, all these bad things and we stay in proximity to those people and we just stay around those people, our marriage is going to suffer. I mean, it fully will suffer because we can't flourish in that environment. And so that's one of the things where, I mean, we do a daily Facebook live. It's 10 minutes every single morning. It's called marriage mornings. And it's our community that we're trying to create that sort of proximity effect where we're gathering people together and saying, Hey, we have got your back right here. Mm-hmm. And so it's just interesting because I know that you weren't, you didn't write this book for marriage, but it, and the more you talk about it, the more I just think, oh, this has such a, you know, like applicable stuff in it about relationships and well, our own lives. I'm glad you bring this up because proximity is about growth. So it just happens that I help people uh, find meaningful work, do the work they're created to do because work is a huge part of all of our lives. But I'm glad you bring this up. I don't care if it's marriage, parenting, uh, it doesn't matter. If you want to advance, let's just look at it that way. I want to grow. And we know that if we're not growing, we're essentially dying. We have limited time on this earth. And if we're growing uh, and we want to continue to grow uh, in marriage, we've got to be in proximity. I'm thinking of, of, of the right people, right places are, well, number one, couples like you. So we want to make sure that we are around people that I may not be able to have lunch or dinner with you all or coffee if I'm one of the people in your tribe, but I can check in most mornings with you. I can read books from you, blog posts from you, watch your YouTube videos. You know, So I want to get around couples that are intentional to win in marriage. That's the professionals like you all that are out there, they're therapists. So I can get around you. I can get in proximity to you thanks to the digital age. Mm-hmm. Now, I also want to be very careful and intentional to get around couples in my community. And so Stacy and I did this early on. We had a couple that we went to dinner with once a month. This was in our first three years of marriage, and it was awesome. We knew them well. We respected them. They had been married 20-plus years at the time. We'd been married, too. Very comfortable with them. Stacy connected with the wife. I connected with the dude, and it was like very, 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 very relaxed. But we just – it turned into a counseling session, and it was awesome. We'd go to dinner and have a nice dinner and just talk about where we were fighting and where there was tension, but it wasn't, it wasn't an intense setting. It was a really relaxed setting. And what was great, Stacey and I used to talk about on the way home from these dinners, every time we'd bring up some tension in our own marriage, they would laugh. They would like look at each other, you know, with that knowing, you know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. It'd be like if a young couple went to dinner with Stacey and I, they'd tell us things and we'd look at each other and go, oh yeah, I've been there, done that, right? Mm-hmm. And it was really rewarding and really safe. And they were able to give us practical answers. So it's the same thing in a career space. If I want to go be a CPA, I want to go have lunch with a really successful CPA because that guy or that gal can tell me so many things that I'm never going to learn in a classroom. Mm-hmm. And so I, I love that you brought that up. I think it's a great point, Melanie, because it, you need to continually surround yourself with those people. And then let's talk about another place. You need to be going to marriage seminars. I mean, you just do, you know, whether they're webinars online 
or in person, you need to keep putting yourself in places where you are constantly being equipped with good techniques, knowledge, ways to communicate, handle conflict, all that stuff, uh, but also just encouraged. Hey, I'm not the only one who comes in and forgets to put his phone down or is dealing with stress at work and he's short with the wife because she didn't do something. Whatever it is, I'm not the only one. And uh, that's the equipping, encouraging that proximity will do for you. Mm-hmm. What do you think it is that holds couples back? And and so I'm going to just continue that sort of side by side analogy comparison with companies and careers and then marriage and relationships, because I see such a parallel there. But what do you think stops couples from investing in their relationship and slash? What do you think stops people from sort of really diving into the career that they want to do? Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, fear and doubt. I'm a little intimidated answering this question to a marriage therapist, but uh, I, I think it's, uh, fear. I'll let you weigh in on this. I think it's fear and doubt. A couple that doesn't, a person in a marriage that doesn't want to invest in their, in counseling or going to um, an event or trying to work through their marriage is, I think it's because they're afraid that it's going to be too painful for them to admit their part in it. Um, and I think that the doubt part would be they doubt that it's actually going to work. And so instead of doing the hard work, the painful work to actually get healthy, they just go, well, we're just going to kind of limp the rest of our life. Yeah. And I, I liken this to a good friend of mine. I just happened to see him about three weeks ago, a good buddy of mine. And, uh, we hadn't seen each other. He lives in Atlanta now and they were some of our closest friends and we got together for a weekend and, uh, he had just had knee surgery and and we were just laughing. I was like, man, he kept talking about how great the surgery was. He was like, oh, it's so great. I feel like a new man and I'm still recovering. He's three weeks out of surgery, but he's just so happy he did it. And I said, yeah, how long did you put that surgery off? I'm making fun of him. He's like, I don't know, six, seven years. I was like, you're such an idiot. Now he's one of my closest buddies, right? I'm like, you're such an idiot. Why didn't you do that sooner? And it just hit me just now, that moment. And you know why Jay didn't do that? He didn't want to have to put up with the inconvenience, the pain, the, the physical therapy that he's having to do. All of that stuff, he would rather not get healthy because he didn't want to do that stuff. Right. So he would limp around and put up with the nagging pain. And I think it's fear and doubt that drives that. But I, I, I'm going to stop because I feel like I'm in your territory <laughs> here. I, I feel like I may have said something wrong. Oh, no. Oh, we we got to end the interview. I'm, uh, <laughs> no. no I, I, is that what I'm you going, No, I, I think that that is right on. Fear and doubt. Like, some of the, the the folks that I we talk to, you know, in our in our community or whatever, I'm like, okay, it sounds like you could really be uh, helped by a therapist, you know. And then they just don't make the appointment for fear and doubt because, well, we're going to talk about stuff that's going to make me really uncomfortable, and it might be like I've been doing it wrong for all these years, or I'm scared, or I don't want to be vulnerable. And there is no difference. I mean, fear and doubt is everywhere. So exactly what you said, I agree. 100%. And there, we're, there's this one quote. It's um, uh, change doesn't happen until the pain of maintaining something is greater than the, the or, or gets. No, I know what the, you're saying. Yeah, it's, it's a, a, the, the wanting to change becomes greater than the pair of the, the pain of bearing. Staying the same. Yeah, that's that's a terrible paraphrase, but maybe <laughs> yeah. no, we get the idea. Well, it's absolutely right. And, and well, to my buddy Jay's example, to, you know, he got to the point where it was so painful he couldn't sleep and he's like, okay, I'm done. And he'd had enough. He'd had enough. He's like, all right, let's go do the surgery. Yeah, you had enough. And I, I like to think of like in the career space or marriage space or money space or any space in that fact, 
it starts with a growth mindset. Like I have to identify what kind of man I want to be, what kind of marriage we want to have, what kind of kids we want to raise, and then identify I don't have the tools, but I'm willing to go out there and get them and put myself in proximity to marriage groups, to podcasts, to consuming all kinds of books from yeah. classic books to As you're saying books. that, I'm realizing that takes mm -hmm. an enormous amount of humility. To mm -hmm. say, I don't have all the answers. I don't just sort of inherently know mm -hmm. everything I'm supposed to do as a woman or a man or a wife or a husband. And then, but the, the other thing I see often that happens in with our listeners or with your clients is the second that they say, oh, well, maybe I could go to a, you know, a seminar and learn something. But then they start like pulling out their business cards of stuff that's, that would stop them from going. They give you every excuse under the sun. Well, why, though, this is why I can't. And this is why I can't because my card broke down or whatever. And it's weird because not only is it, you have to be humble. You always, you also have to say, I'm going to work really hard to do this thing too. And so mm -hmm. I don't know. I just was thinking about all the, the things that pop up as couples try to do this work because you have to face the fact that it's hard. There's fear, there's doubt and there's setbacks and things that you got to hurdles. You got to jump over. Mm -hmm. but. Yep. Yeah. There's always going to be barriers and until the want to surpass those barriers is stronger than just sitting back, yeah. then, then you won't do anything. And I think, you know, thank God that we have decided to change our marriage and, and move forward in that way. And I want to maybe switch topics and kind of get real. That's going to get now. real. So let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> I know. Okay. So, if you could just kind of bear with me, I want to ask some questions because I really feel like I personally am in a transition point, right? And I could be pretend I'm a caller on your on, on the show, I guess, right? The, so look, I've what people want. They know you. So yeah. them hearing you be vulnerable with me right now, let's do this. Okay, awesome. That's exciting. Thank you. And even that was encouraging. So I am how I'm 41, yeah. right? I've been a licensed marriage and family therapist for about 12 years, mm -hmm. been in the field. I, I really like my job, right? Mm -hmm. I, it's the main... Uh, it's our source of income. It's our source of income, right? Melanie works some on the side, but it's, it's been our main source of income for a long time. And I love my job, mm -hmm. but I am really, really, really liking all the stuff that we're doing with anatomy of marriage. And mm -hmm. it's all in the therapy field. So I, I, I wrote some things down. So... It's all in the therapy field. Um, I uh, we, we started my old job, well, my current job. We started with three employees. I was the only therapist on board. We grew, I grew, helped grow that program with me and two other people to a $6 million operation and now have over 35 employees. So mm -hmm. the, pro, the program, the development, the thinking out of the box, the creating brand new programs that are kind of pioneering the therapy world is my jam. And I've been doing that and I absolutely love it. And I like really working with the clients too. Most of my uh, guys are uh, low income, you know, uh, uh, some are homeless, chronic health, me mental health issues. But I am loving working with Melanie and we've been really successful over the last two years. Not financially successful because it's still in the startup phase, mm -hmm. but just the creative process of everything, talking to people, speaking in front of people, uh, making videos, all kinds of stuff. I love it. And honestly, I'm scared to death because I'm like, I, I love this, but I can really see myself doing this. Does that make sense? It makes total sense. So what, what is your question? 
All you did was all you did was tell me where your heart really is. You love all of your work, but there are certain parts of your work that are pulling at your heart and tugging at your soul because you're more alive and you're trying to figure out how to balance it all and how to go in the right direction in the future. That's what you're worried about. Yeah. And because my current job is the source of our income, we're not making anything with the podcast just yet. So where is the transition and what does that look but like? What's your question? I guess the you didn't ask my question, I'm just looking, I, maybe I don't have a question. I'm just looking for some, some well, insight or wisdom. So I'm going to ask you some questions for a second. I think I know where this is going, but let me ask a few clarifying questions. Okay. What would you, let's say the podcast was actually making you some money. Not all of what you're, but let's just for fun, I want to get your brain in a positive place. Let's say that you were making half of what you make in your business. You were making half of that through revenue through, for your podcast. And so now you've got half of that coming in. You see some real victories. You've got some extra revenue coming in. And I sat down with you or your board or whatever, and we said, okay, podcast is doing really well. We see a great future there. Eventually, you're going to be able to replace all of that practice income with, let's just call it the podcast income for this conversation. And we said to you, okay, you're going to have to cut back on your CEO founder role. And we only want you doing what only you can do over in the practice while continuing to do the podcast. What would you say? All right, these are the only things that 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 I need to be doing because number one, I still love those as much as I do podcasting. But I have to do it as the chief content guy. And as CEO, I can only do so much. What would be the things you would keep from the practice? I would say working with clients and so actual therapy. So you're still in the therapy sessions. Mm -hmm. What else? Creating partnerships. I'm really good at networking and uh, Great. Uh, aligning ourselves with other like agencies so we can get more clients and serve more people. Love that. Anything else? Let's see. I really like speaking. Right. Like I, I do a couple of speaking roles. But speaking is kind of over – speaking kind of is an overarching thing. It's a byproduct of the podcast and the business. Right. So I'm talking about if you're day-to-day -day right now in the business. So the only thing you would keep doing is the actual therapy sessions and then connecting. Yes. Anything else? It's not a right or wrong answer. I want you to be like really, really gut level honest right now because I'm leading you somewhere. Yeah. Well, I, I think there's a lot of overlap between my practice and between AOM and all the stuff that I put that I love about the practice, I can also do in AOM. It's a it's different target audience, but exactly. it's still. But that's speaking. why I'm exactly. That's why I'm leading you through this. Right. So here's the here's the practical answer to your question. You're not going to Geronimo jump off of a cliff and shut the practice down anytime soon. Right. We'll have to stay in the practice because practically speaking, the practice is your revenue source. Once the podcast, and let's call it public figure, let's, call, let's do this for discussion because I want to keep our, I'm thinking of your audience at the same time. I don't want the audience to get lost here because mm -hmm. this is the exercise for people who are listening. They're going, oh, I know what the dream job is, but I got to kind of stay in the day job. I can't just jump into the ocean because I'm going to drown and I'm going to ruin myself financially. You don't have to. So now back to you, Doc. All right. <laughs> We're going to call this your private practice and your public practice. 
Your private practice is the business. That's the actual therapy. The public practice is the podcast and the speaking, and eventually a book deal is going to come out of that curriculum. Am I am I getting it right? Okay. Oh, yeah. All right. That's our public practice. Social media in there. You have to generate as much revenue from the public practice as you have in the private practice before this goes away. Private practice. Mm-hmm. That's the answer. So stop stewing over it and mm-hmm. relax and stop uh-huh. worrying about the timeline. Stop worrying about it. The okay. timeline is not important. The timeline will reveal itself. Do you understand what I'm saying? But we, yeah. we get all worried. Of, oh, when do I leave? When do I jump? You don't. There is no jump. Let me free you and free everybody listening that's in this situation. When do I jump? Never. What do you mean, Ken? You don't need to jump. We step effortlessly into the next season. Effortlessly. Mm-hmm. It's like stepping off of the dock into a boat that's been pulled up safely. You ever gone on a little little harbor cruise or something like that? And, or you Disneyland, you know, the Jungle Cruise? That's all I can think about because we go to Disney all the time with my kids. The Jungle Cruise. The boat goes two miles an hour. But they pull it up to the dock, they tie it, and we all take a little careful but easy step into the Jungle Cruise boat. This is what you're going to do in the near future. So you're going to keep doing the things you love to do in the private practice. You're going to keep doing the things you love to do in the public practice. And as your audience grows in the public practice, revenues will follow. But it is the private practice that keeps you grounded in two ways. Number one, in the practice of the business. It's important. What you do is a science and you need to keep doing therapy sessions. I'm glad you said that was one of your things because I was going to tell you I'd be very concerned if you tried to go speak publicly on stuff that you stopped doing in private. Mm-hmm. That's good. Yeah. Don't you dare. No. I, 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 I know you're I not. I love it. Yeah. It's super important. And the same goes for me. I, I meet one-on-one with team members, families. I meet one-on-one with, with listeners when they come to the office. I'm always going to say yes. And 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 by the way, I'm never going to stop doing my radio show because every day that I'm on, I'm talking to one person one-on-one and that's who I got to be helping. And if I'm helping that person, only then am I going to be able to stay relevant and fresh and, and, and poignant on their problems that translate to everybody else. So I'm not interested in just going on television and answering viewer questions only if I'm in the studio every day talking to people. So that's the answer to your question. You keep building over here on the public side, and as the public side creates more revenue, you're going to have to pull yourself away a little bit from the private practice. You're going to have to replace yourself. So some of the things you do now, you're not going to be able to do. But what we know you have to do is you've got to stay in private counseling. That keeps you fresh, makes you better publicly. And we also know that you're going to need to be the face of the business, the private practice and the public practice. And outside of that, uh, then you just replace yourself. And that yeah. revenue comes up like this. And to be honest with you, I'd keep it going. I would never shut down the other. I'd never shut down the private practice. I would just incrementally over time keep replacing me. To Man, that That's it. And now, oh, by the way, now we have both sets of revenue coming in. And that makes mama happy because she wants some new shoes. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. And I want that's, some new hunting gear. <laughs> yeah. That's, that so, is your question. Cool. Yeah, and thank you so much, first of all. And I'm really surprised. I'm, I'm, I'm surprised, but kind of not surprised because it's, it's much of a, that's much more simple than I thought, right? I thought, oh my yeah. goodness, I'm, I'm doing this and I'm doing this over here. When do I got to take that leap and kind of turn my back on this so I can go 
full core on this. And it, it reminds me of a saying that her father-in-law says, it's do good work, you know, do, be a good person, do good work, and the money will come. That's you know, right. it's not, you know, oh, we got to make money here and there. we got to do this and think of this. It's like just continue to do work in that's the long right. term, in the same direction, consistent, and things will work out. And that's just true of life, in my mm-hmm. opinion, uh, yeah, Dave, a lot of times. Dave Ramsey says it all the time. You help enough people, you won't have to worry about money. Zig Ziglar, yes. Zig Ziglar said, if you spend your life helping other people get what they want, you'll get what you want. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, listen. Uh, I would switch your perspective to I've got to only do one and say, boy, I'm so grateful for my practice because if there was not the private practice, there would not be this public opportunity to do what we love. And and uh, they don't have to compete against each other. They should complement each other. So I don't think you need to worry about anything. Just mm. keep on keeping on. Oh, well, that's that's really good. Yeah, that's, that's encouraging. Great. I know we got to wrap up really soon. We want to be respectful of your time. I do have a question. How does one acquire a radio show? <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm glad you asked that question uh, because the answer is a lot of proximity. Uh, I started out on radio. If you want to know when I did my very first radio show, it was on Saturday afternoons on a talk station in Gainesville, Georgia, WDUN. And I paid $250 for that hour and $250 for the next hour on Saturday, the next week, and the next week, and the next week. And for six months, I paid 250 bucks times four, and it was tight. And But I did it. And uh, sometimes you got to pay to play. Uh, but I went to a local radio station, and I went on there, and I needed to know if I had the chops. I just believed in my gut. I believed in my heart that God was going to open up the door down the road, but I needed to show him that I was willing to step out. And so I did that. So how does one acquire a radio show? By doing what I did, which is, you know, you guys are doing it. You know, you got a podcast. That's where it starts. You know, uh, I told a podcast, uh, this is my fourth one today. And I told a guy earlier today, I said, uh, you're a fellow broadcaster. And I was just chumming up with him. He said, no, no, I'm, a, I'm not a broadcaster. I'm, I'm a podcaster. As if. I'm a broadcaster and he's not. And I, I got on him in a good way. I said, oh, you're a, a broadcaster. Look, nobody uses an iPod anymore. They don't even exist. Where are all those iPods, by the way? And so, <laughs> so you guys are doing it. And uh, I think you're going to have to con- – and by the way, I'm not trying to be – tie it all back to the book. But there's a reason why I wrote the book. It, my story is in it. And, and if I can start at 31 with no broadcasting degree and three kids under the age of three – a wife, a mortgage, a business that I had to run, selling sponsorships for live events. It was my own business. If I can get a national show, then you can get where you want to go. Now, let me just be very clear on something. It took me nine years to get the national show. Nine years. Three I spent here at Ramsey Solutions serving in a in a role that was public, but it was not a Ramsey personality. It was proving myself, learning the culture, Paying my dues, nine years. So I am not selling microwaves. I am selling crockpots because that's where the good stuff is. And uh, so that's how you do it. It's a little bit at a time and put yourself out there and you got to be okay with some rejection because I've been rejected more than you can possibly imagine. And it's not fun. It does not feel good. I'm not going to romanticize it. But again, I put myself around other broadcasters and in a broadcasting school and just every one of those things just kept leading to something else, something else, something else. And before I knew it, I had some momentum. But more importantly, the momentum, I had confirmation 
that I wanted it so bad, I couldn't imagine never going for it. And see, this is about appetite. So the reason I tell people to get in proximity to people that are doing what you want to do and in places where what you want to do is happening because you begin to develop an appetite. You can either develop a healthy appetite or a not healthy appetite. But I'm telling you something. If you've ever eaten something that changes your life, and I want everybody that's listening to me to start thinking about a, a, your favorite fruit or your favorite dessert or your favorite beverage. I don't care what it is. I mean, it's like at the top of your list. Your mind goes bananas when you know you're about ready to consume it. You have tasted that before, and you liked it, and you wanted more of it. And that's what proximity does, and it will verify for you that what is in your heart is not a fantasy. It's not delusion. It is what your creator has put inside of you to do. You guys know that. How, how alive do you feel when you're in front of a stage, when you're in front of a crowd speaking to them on the very issues you know they're wrestling with and you know that what you're going to share with them, if they listen and if they do it, is going to help them? How does that make you feel? It, the best. It's an out-of-body experience almost, you know? I love it's how like, that's absolutely the case. Yeah, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not nervous. Like when we're on stage speaking, it's – it just comes out. Yeah. Like literally. It just feels comes out. like what we were made to do. It, right. do. it really does feel like this is it. Like we're home almost. It's because you, know? you are. Because you are. You were made to do that. And I am I am selling that. I'm selling that appetite, man. I I, I gotta tell you, it's uh, it's exciting. But here's the deal. It's scary and there's a lot of doubt and it's intimidating until you use proximity and you go, wait a second, this is actually possible. I can actually put myself in a position for opportunity to come to me. Yeah. I mean, that's huge. It's a train station. It's, I'm telling you, it's a train station. It's I'm a train like station. so inspired right now. I know, I'm that's like, a great oh. Well, well <laughs> I feel like I won the, the jackpot today. First, when we got the chance to, op- to interview, you know, emails back and forth. And then it's like, I feel like I just got uh, won the lottery as a caller in on your show because like we really dove into some stuff. And yeah. so, Thank you. I'm so grateful yeah. for that, literally. Thanks, and uh, Yeah, and we want to make sure to be respectful of your time. We know we, you have the book coming out, The Proximity yeah. Principle. Yeah. It comes out May 13th. I know you can pre-order it. And where can people find you if they want to know more about all that you do? KenColeman.com. Uh, great way to just connect with everything we're doing. You can learn about the show. All of our social uh, is there. I would really recommend some th- for folks to check us out on YouTube because we can give you a little daily dose. We put out one call a day on our YouTube channel. If you just search the Ken Coleman Show, and uh, it's these are real calls from the show. We don't doctor them. They just boom. We cut them, and you're gonna get hit, get hear real people wrestle with some of the stuff we wrestled with today. And here's what we know. Um, when you begin to watch and listen to the show and you hear other callers, that's what I love about the show. It's not me pontificating. It's me listening to a caller doing exactly what I did with you. And, and, and what it does is it encourages you and you go, Hey, there's a lot in that person's story that is uh, parallel to my journey. And it really equips you with some of the advice I give them, but more, more importantly, it encourages you. And uh, we're, we're seeing this groundswell of people saying, I'm not going to finish my life full of regret. I want to finish my life and reminisce on the things that I did, the people that I touched. And, you know, I would just say this to everybody that's listening. Um, we believe at the Ken Coleman Show that every person on this planet exists to fill a unique role. That means it's needed. And that means you must do it. There's a duty for you to be you. Somebody out there needs you to be you. And I will say to you all, there's a lot of couples that need you all to be who you are 
So don't you ever doubt that and keep doing what you're doing because you never know the generational change that you are making because you are stepping in and equipping men and women to love each other well and to be what God created them to be in their marriage. So I got to tell you, I'm, I'm inspired by you all. Well, thank you. That means a lot to hear from such an amazing person like yourself and all the stuff that you've done. Let me ask you one more question. What is bringing you inspiration? What kind of sets you on fire like right now? What's what's the latest thing? Uh, honestly, uh, everything that we're doing with the book and the radio show, uh, it's always fun. All these things set me on fire, but it's just the callers. Uh, it's it's the last caller I, I, I hung up with today on today's show. He called in. His name was Ken. Uh, he's from Tampa, Florida, and he wanted to know if he truly was in his sweet spot. He had a good idea, and so we walked him through it. And uh, I said, what do you know so far? And he'd been listening to the show, and he listed out his passions, his top passions. Then he went through his top talents, and and uh, he listed it all out. And I said, so what are you doubting? Because it sounds like to me it's all lined up. And he says, well, I just I just needed to hear from somebody. That that I was that I was making the right decision. That I just needed confirmation, and uh, I said, "Well, there's only one question: Do you think you have the talent to pull this off?" He goes, "Absolutely." I said, "If I could give that," and he was he wanted to be a data uh, consultant, um, and I said, "If I could give it to you tomorrow, how would you feel?" And you could hear his smile, and he said, "It would just it would be the greatest thing," and so that's what fires me up. It's not about me. What fires my soul is, is that I get to go to bed tonight and I'll probably be thinking about Ken, not Ken Coleman, but that guy. And, and, and just that he just needed somebody to say, right on, man, you're doing exactly what you're created to go and don't yeah. pause. So, you know, I, that's it. I mean, it's just, this the everyday contact. You know this. If you could speak every day, you'd lose your mind. Now you can't do that. You can't be out on the road every day. You wouldn't have a family or a marriage, but, uh, I am blessed in that I have a live radio show. I get to talk to real people every day who just want to be who God created them to be. So that's 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 always going to be the best part of the gig. Yeah, that's awesome. When you were talking about Ken, your face just lit up wow. and like the encouragement that you were able to give him, and I I felt it from you too because it, it it really and it's good for Melanie to hear it too. But we both need to hear it. Uh, just took a weight off my shoulders, and I feel like I literally have the instructions of what to do and how to do it, and then just how you normalized it. Just yeah. thank you so much. Well, thank you. I, I, I try not to cry, to be honest with you, because I think, I think when, you, when, you, when everything that's going on in your life is crazy sometimes, then you go, hey, wait a second. This is as simple as it gets. I just got to be me, and I got to be this for somebody else. You know, uh, as Dave says all the time to our company, we're blessed to be a blessing. And I think if you can find something where you feel blessed, it's, it's, it's a game changer. You're going to be ahead of the pack. You're going to live a life that's way more meaningful than most people ever get a glimpse of, sadly. Uh, but we're trying to help as many people as possible get that because it's, it is contagious and uh, it is also why we're here. It's not about us. Yeah. Yeah. Well, again, thank you so much for the work that you do. Everybody go check out the Ken Coleman podcast download it on itunes wherever you get your stuff and also you're the host of entree leadership podcast yep. which is a great show Thank too you. which is super cool check out the book the proximity principle drop in may 13th and what else mel Anything? i don't know there's Any nothing else thoughts? it's too good it's so good it is i'm i am so thankful well appreciate you all hope to see you in nashville if you ever get up to nashville let's make sure we uh we break bread together 
we yeah. will do it. We sure friend. will. So. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much and have a wonderful rest of your day. <laughs> thank you. Talk Bye-bye. To you thank you. All right, that was an amazing episode. Here's what we know about Ken Coleman. <laughs> <laughs> you stole my joke. I was going to say the thing. Here's what we know. Uh, you guys just learned some, you, you learned some wisdom, right? <laughs> you just got some wisdom from Ken. Go follow him on Instagram and Facebook and everything else. And if you even want more help and more wisdom, go to DaveRamsey.com forward slash hope to mm-hmm. get Financial Peace University for free, people. Mm-hmm. Where, you know... If you're binge listening all of this, which I hope you are on the Ramsey weekend, we're really pushing it. Why? Because we push stuff that works, that we have yeah, been through that ourselves, we believe in. and stuff that we believe in mm-hmm. that absolutely helps people. That's what our whole goal is to mm-hmm. help people. So go to DaveRamsey.com forward slash hope to get that. Proximity Principle, mm-hmm. which is written by Ken Coleman, the yep. one, the only Ken Coleman. <laughs> we know that he wrote it. <laughs> we, we know. Well, we know about Canada. Right, I'm not going to beat that horse anymore. So. <laughs> but you can get the Proximity Principle audio version right now for $3 and 99 cents. Mm. That is less than a Frappuccino. That's right. Who even drinks Frappuccinos? Nobody. Millions of people. But so go to DaveRamsey.com forward slash hope to get Proximity Principle for three ninety nine. There are so many other amazing deals going on right now. Get the free 14-day trial of Financial Peace University. Mm-hmm. Seriously, guys, it's life-changing. They're not paying us to do this. But they should be. (laughs) Just kidding. No, we went through it. We did it. And we are reaping some of those benefits. Not a ton of those benefits. Anyway, we love you guys. Hope you enjoyed the Ramsey weekend and have an amazing day. All right. All right. Bye. Bye.